This episode is brought to you by The Writer Store. Support your club by grabbing your official writer gear from The Writer Store. The Mosaic Stadium Store is now open. You can also shop online at thewriterstore.ca. Welcome to The Rouge Report. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. Well, welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of our podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, something we've always been wanting to do, right? Put together a podcast and uh, we got some time on our hands with the season being delayed a little bit, but I'm excited. I think where we can take this is uh, get a lot of fans, a lot of content that they much need right now. Yeah, just with the with the woolen things and being able to kick it off now, I think we'll be able to get I mean, we have rabid fans and we have the best fans in the world, regardless of sport. So I think getting them content during this little break while we're waiting during the delayed season would be a really good thing. Yeah, as much as I love our writer fans, I think this could be a more of a Canadian thing where all fans can join in and uh, we can get people talking on the show from all different teams, uh, which I think will be really awesome for fans to kind of get a behind the scenes look at everyday life as a CFL player, as a CFL quarterbacks like us and other players around the league. I think being able to just interact with them, like just in my one year, I've had so many great interactions with fans that it's, it's fun to give them kind of like, cause they're always kind of approaching us as like, like a big figure, but to be able to just give them like tidbits of kind of the things we do during the season that will really humanize us and just like get them more content that, that they want. Yeah. Being up there for six months and then just leaving for six months is kind of, is tough. Honestly, uh, you get so close to a lot of fans and I've noticed this over the six years I've been in the CFL is I get real close with fans and then all of a sudden you go home and you don't have that same thing where you get stopped in the grocery store or, a kid comes up to you and asks you for your autograph. And, and that's the stuff for me personally that I really look forward to as being a professional athlete is coming out of practice and a little kid just wants a picture or an autograph or even, you know, a, an adult wearing your jersey or asking for a jersey sign like that is pretty cool and, and just a special moment for me. And I know a lot of athletes. OK, so I, w- I was actually thinking about that the other day because. I was just like looking back because for my birthday, I used to go to a Chicago Bears game with my dad. And yeah. we would always choose the Saints game out just because the Saints were my favorite team and I love Drew Brees and everything. And I I like vividly remember going there so early, like before before the there's even time running on the clock to like <laughs> say hi to players and give them high fives. And I remember like it being the coolest feeling to like get high fives and like interact with the players before the game. Do you have oh, like man. memories of that with like I, other teams? I uh, I was a big baseball guy growing up. So my first NFL game I ever attended was when I was actually in uniform with the Oakland Raiders in the preseason. So most people are like, wow, it took you that long. But I, uh, I loved going to Angel baseball games. And we always played Little League, and it was sponsored by the Angels. And so once a year, we'd get to walk the field just kind of introduce all the teams in the area. And we got to just high five all these athletes that I just look up to and I watch them on TV and, you know, you're just right there. Uh, it, it's something that carried with me the rest of my life. And when I 
told myself, I was like, if I ever make it to there, I want to do exactly what these guys did and just be there for these kids, give them some hope, give them some inspiration. And uh, it's really carried with me to this day. Yeah. And like that, that was kind of surreal thinking back on it. Cause after I got to play a little bit, like when I was running off and you have a little kid being like Isaac, Isaac, and that's not, not even the name on your Jersey. And they're asking for your towel and stuff. You're like, that's pretty cool. So like, I, I think I enjoy it maybe more than even the fans do when they get to interact and stuff like oh, that. Oh man, it's, it's honestly crazy how much the fans do research wise. There's so many questions. I'm like, how did you find that out? You know, but that's what makes it so special. Honestly, I think is because they put so much time and effort into getting to know each individual player. And I think one of the biggest problems the CFL has right now is that guys are only signing one to two year deals. No, for sure. And I mean, like I, I know I'm missing it. Like we should be in camp right now, but during all this uh, time off, what have you been up to, man? Yeah, for me, um, honestly, we moved from DC to Reno. We drove across the country, and it took Whoa, us. How many hours is that? How many hours? Uh, we uh, we 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 did work. Um, Fifteen hours the first day. Then we went 13 hours the second day and then we went 10 hours the third day. And that third day, oh my gosh, it was a grind. <laughs> like uh, you just start seeing spots and you're driving and you're like just seeing the same lines over and over and over again. So we packed our little car up as much as we can. Our dog Soli had just this, he probably had the most room in the entire car. Me and my <laughs> wife, Laura, were crammed in the front seat and he's just living like a king in the back with all this room. But, uh, Driving through during a pandemic was honestly pretty tough. So we had to find a place to stay and most of the hotels were shut down. Yeah, I didn't and, even think about that. Yeah, so we found um, KOAs and they're just campgrounds across America where you can stop. And it's kind of cool. They're just little cabins and you bring your own sheets, which is nice. So you know you're sleeping in your own sheets and mm -hmm. our dog can stay with us and there's, you know, no problems with him. He can run around and go to the bathroom and do whatever he has to do. So um, honestly, that was a savior. But how about you? Other than that driving, uh, it's been uh, pretty good for us. Well, I mean, with 10, like with double digit hours for three straight days, like give me your top three road trip essentials if you're going to go that long for, mm, for that many yeah. days. Yeah, I mean, for uh, for me, it's one's got to be sunflower seeds. Um, I need something to do while I'm driving or else, you know, it's like that office episode when Michael Scott's driving and he falls asleep because he's got the dark sunglasses on. And I played that joke a couple of times to my wife. I said, Oh wow, I was sleeping there. <laughs> but uh, So I definitely need um, sunflower seeds is a must. I probably um, could have guessed that one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. As much as I crush in the meeting rooms, you know, I always have those on deck while we're watching. For film. sure. Um, that I need something salty uh, other than the seeds. So like, chips are always good for me. I, I'm, I can crush chips. It's probably my weakest point in terms of my diet. If you give me a bag of chips and I'm just sitting down, <laughs> I will eat the whole thing the in one sitting. Yeah, exactly. So um, that, and then usually something sweet, like a Twix bar or something that gets me, you know, some candy in me. But my wife always tries to get us some beef jerky because she's like, you need some protein. And I'm always like the little kid who needs candy or <laughs> you know, salt or yeah, <laughs> some sort of snack. And she's like, no, get beef jerky. And so uh, we usually do that. And it's it goes pretty fast. I usually pretty I crush that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? You got a top three? You're, you made a trip. You drove from Indiana, right? To yeah. Sask last year. I, I You can guess this one. Coffee for sure. That's my oh number my one. Number one has to be number that. one. And and I think what fans don't realize is how much your brain is efficient on coffee 
compared to <laughs> off the coffee. And if they were to see you on what six cups, that is your daily norm. They'd be like, yeah. this guy can like you. I've seen you talk about a play before it even happened when you were six cups deep. Like you can see into the future when you start drinking that much coffee. And oh, for once me, I'm on my fifth cup, I can start seeing the curvature of the earth, dude. Yeah, there, there I'm you go. And everything. Yeah. For me, I'm the complete opposite. So I think you drink enough coffee for both of us, which is nice. Um, I do love the smell of coffee though. Like fresh coffee. I love the smell. I just can't That's why stand we're a good the team, man. I, I brew it and you don't have, you don't get yeah. any, which is, I mean, great for me, but also good for you. <laughs> yeah, more, more for you. But yeah, it wakes me up. You know, I smell the coffee. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm up. And usually in our early morning meetings, you'd have a cup brewed and I'd be able to smell it and I'd be like, okay, I'm up. And you're over there crushing it. And you're like, I'm almost up. <laughs> <laughs> just give me 10 more minutes. Yeah. And then, I mean, last, I got to go with pretzel M&Ms. It's like mm. a salty sweet combo, best of both worlds. I love those. I'm all about it. If I if I ate as much as I wanted to, I would probably be an offensive lineman. Um, so <laughs> I have to scale back quite a bit because honestly, I I might have an eating problem when it turns to salty or sweet. Um, yeah, I definitely or have savory a with that. Or, or savory or dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much anything food related, I I have a problem. Are you a? Are, do you have to lose weight in off season, or do you gain weight in off season? Yeah, I usually. Um, it's a tough question. I use last year. I lost so much weight for our wedding in March. I was down to like 208 pounds. And I remember calling coach Walsh and he's like, how much you weigh in? And I was like, oh, I'm about, and I didn't want to, t- I, I had to tell him the truth, but I didn't want to. And I was like, oh, I'm about 208 pounds. I kind of mumbled it. He's like, what? 208 pounds? He's like, you better start gaining some weight. Yeah. But the problem was I was walking dogs and I was getting like 35,000 steps a day. I wanted to lose some weight for the wedding, obviously, because when I look at those photos, you know, 20 years from now, I'll be like, yeah, I was a stud back then. But <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I the way I gain weight is I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right before bed and a tall glass of chocolate milk. And I will eat it right before bed and I can put my weight back on. So usually I'm somewhere around playing weight. Like when I start training camp, I like to be around 223 because I know I lose a couple pounds in, in training camp. But my ideal weight, playing weight uh, during the season is around 217 pounds. What about you? I know you have a little bit of a difficult problem putting on weight, but uh, yeah, and, how about you? Uh, this off season is the best I've ever done at it. I'm like right around 200 right now, which is the most I've ever weighed. But we, uh, we would always joke in the meeting rooms last year that I was the lightest quarterback in the league by 15 pounds. <laughs> I weighed Soaking 185. Wet, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, honestly though, for you, you got a little bit of coin in your pocket. Now that you have a job, it's, it's hard when you're a college athlete and you don't have the money right? You're eating a cup of noodles and you're just not eating. You're oh eating yeah, exactly. And, and like, and I like justify spending money on like senior nutritionists by like, Hey, this is for my job. I need to do it and stuff. So I, that helped a ton seeing a nutritionist and uh, obviously just like getting all the ingredients you need. It, it, it's more costly than like going without or eating fast food or whatever. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing the new and improved jacked Isaac Harker. You're not even going to recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> the swole patrol. <laughs> well, workout wise, so what are you doing workout wise since you're the new and improved jacked isaac harker yeah and since all the gyms closed down and everything i was like well i need to stay on this route because i was steadily going up and i'm like i don't want to lose it now so we actually went to menards me and my dad and my little brother and we got all the lumber and everything and we built a squat rack and put it in our garage and built a bench to go with it and everything so we've just had like all the equipment to do all the 
all the workout essentials like you know bench squat and we, we haven't been doing power clean but we do get other stuff to do explosive things like that but that's it's just a really fun project and it kind of led me into doing more woodworking and stuff during the off season too did, did you run into any problems with buying these expensive weights like i looked online to buy a couple kettlebells and a couple dumbbells and like the price gouging is through the roof right now usually it's about a dollar a pound and and oh, I, yeah. I would say that's fair but i looked the other day 44 pound um kettlebells was like 86 or 87 dollars and i was like are you kidding me and they were all sold out it was like uh put it we'll put you on the email list and when we get more, we'll let you know. And so yeah. obviously quarantine has changed the entire market of working out because the same thing for me, I, I mean, I haven't been to a gym and I, and I feel my muscle mass isn't there, but in terms of like my cardiovascular, I'm in really good shape. So for me, oh, I've yeah. been, I've been running and biking. Like I try and bike about 10 to 15 miles, uh, every other morning. So, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a lot. And before I was running with my wife, we, we tried and run, you know, anywhere from two to six miles. She had me run six miles for the first time ever in my life. Like I honestly, <laughs> I'm a one mile guy. Okay. I've, one I've mile. Say, and I quote, there is nothing I would rather do less than run for endurance. <laughs> what <Yeah. happened? laughs> Quarantine happened. That's exactly what happened. You start looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, okay, I'm gaining too much LBs. I need to change my workout plan. So <laughs> she first had me doing these ridiculously hard, like Zumba workouts on the uh, TV. And mm -hmm. it was like, I mean, it wasn't Zumba, but it was just these classes where I had to do like TRX stuff kind of. I don't know what it was, but, and she never told me what it was. And cause I probably would have deleted the app because it was that hard. But I did like <laughs> one time we did like a thousand squats and a thousand of anything is brutal. That's curtains. Yeah. Curtains oh, yeah. And I was jello legged. And so I was like, Hey, do you want to start running? And she's like, I thought you'd never ask. And so we did six miles and I, and I did fairly well. And I actually liked it. I kind of got a little bit of a runner's high and I don't know how many people love to run uh, that far, but just being able to be with your own thoughts or putting in some music and just listening um, was, was pretty cool for me to kind of be at peace and, and think about whatever I wanted to think about. And then what was cool was I wasn't really focused on the run. So I'd look down at my watch and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm already three miles in. And you were Cruising. just kind of thinking about other things. And so that's what I probably liked most about running was just letting your mind be at ease and just whatever comes Put to on mind. on the writer's podcast and just let it eat. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly it. And and that's why we wanted to get this out here is so... I can get all the things in my brain out on paper. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been doing that? I know um, we played a little bit of video games and I've heard from somebody. I remember somebody asking me, like, if you guys play Madden, like who's better at Madden? You want to take the reins on this one? Yeah, um, I think I hold the series record with you. I believe that is so. true. That yeah. is true. OK, I'm glad we got that out of the way established us both being competitors i didn't want to have this uh he said she said thing but um yeah uh, we had so much fun for for those listening isaac and i spent a lot of hours playing madden in my little basement in uh in regina we played a ton of madden and we were very competitive but we couldn't play against each other because we knew how competitive <laughs> we were so we're like hey let's just be on the same team and so it worked out pretty well i, I ran the offense and you ran the defense and i know that there was a little bit of back and forth when you know the offense would go down and score a touchdown and then all of a sudden 
You're like a, you know, <laughs> Swiss cheese defense where you got holes all over your defense and they go down and I'm like, all right, offense, we got to win this game because the defense ain't going to help us out here. And- Dude, the funniest <laughs> running joke we had from that is when like you get stuffed like like three and out right away and then the defense comes out and you say if we don't win this game it's because of our defense the defense didn't hold them here i love not taking the blame it's fun because (laughs) in real life football it's i mean i'm taking all the blame no problem but in madden football because it is so unrealistic and part of the reason why i got banned from it from laura is because it's unrealistic and i turn in yeah, oh yeah, I bet I got banned no from Madden. No fly zone with Madden now. Oh no, fly zone! Can't even think about putting my cursor over Madden and clicking A on it <laughs> because um, I just turn into a different person. And she tells me this, and I I've feel like I've seen this person, by the way. <laughs> and it's not a good person. It's the competitor. It's, it's not as pretty as the media version of Cody Fajardo. I'll tell you that. <laughs> here's the, here's my issue with Madden. My issue is I'm a professional quarterback. I know exactly what defense you're in. I know what exactly offensive play and routes I need to beat your defense. I and run 12 that. Year old is just cheesing you hard. Exactly. All over the headset. <laughs> and he's like, your name says QB in it. You can't even throw a complete it. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's in my dome. <laughs> I was like, as long as he's not out there in the CFL games, I'll be okay. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing cover two. I'm like, okay, I know I can hit this corner. I'm just going to bite the corner down on something short. And I'm going to throw the corner over his head. All of a sudden, his corner is covering both guys and picks the ball. And now here I am just screaming at my TV. And I feel like if if Laura filmed me playing Madden and I just watched it, I would be so disgusted. I might delete the game. But that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. And I don't think I'm going to tell her that because there's still that slim hope that, hey, Maybe she lets me play it sometime soon. That's, that's kind of why we stopped playing against each other, though, because even if you win, you're not even happy. You're just relieved that you didn't lose. You're like, oh, that, that's what should have happened. That's what should have happened. Uh, I think you just nailed it on the head. That's a good point. I never really pictured it that way. But especially I can't stand losing to somebody that I just I can't know or I don't know who it is. Just yeah. the, that is hard for me. Like, who is this guy? And how is he better than me at this football game? You know, I'm a professional athlete. You kind of get in this realm and then they start talking over the headset and you're like, this kid's like 12 or 13 years old. And then you go on YouTube and YouTube has like the best defense to run versus any offense. And I look it up and all these guys are running it. And it's just like a Madden glitch, I would say. So uh, with that, I I think I said enough I had to say about Madden, but when we were playing together on the same team, those are probably the most fun I've had as opposed to when I play opposing people online. Oh, for sure. And then like, yeah, you're right. It does like football acumen on field doesn't really translate well to Madden, but that kind of like moving into the CFL, what was like the biggest shock from you from going from American to the Canadian? Yeah, um, I I actually get this question quite a bit, which I every time I think of a new answer because something new (laughs) pops up in my head. But the first thing I remember is I threw a flat route to the field. Um, It was just a curl flat. I threw a flat route to the field and I two skipped it to the receiver. And I was like, (laughs) I put some mustard on that thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, the field's a little bit bigger. And I was like, oh, okay. So you really got like you're throwing a 40 yard bomb to gain three yards and that's kind of the difference and then i guess my second funniest story would be my first team reps in toronto uh, i'm this practice squad guy and i'm just trying to figure out the game and i'm just trying to you know do whatever i can to hold on to the football dream 
I get out there and here I am, this American guy who says, uh, coach, they got 12 guys on the field. And the coach <laughs> looks at me sideways and he's like, it's 12 on 12. And I'm like, I felt so embarrassed. And like the whole team laughed, everyone's laughing at me. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to play in this league. Like I can't come back from that. 12 on 12. Like it looked like there was 37 guys on the defense to me. And I I don't know. Is that how you felt when you came up? That one guy makes a huge difference, right? Oh, for sure. And like once, once you get accustomed to it, it's, it's okay. But like early on, and I do remember there's one specific play that kind of like reminds me of like, welcome to the CFL buddy was training camp. The second day of training camp, I got some team reps and one of them was just a run play with like you're reading the end and it's a pull to throw and the defense lines up and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is sting. I know what sting looks like. (laughs) This is sting. (laughs) And then I wave my hands forward to do the waggle and just, I, it looked like a blur of green coming towards the line of scrimmage. I'm like, Oh, that's what sting looks like. (laughs) And I got a pass batted by, I think it was Ed Ganey coming off the edge. And, and I, like I think for the fans who are like, oh, how can they not see that? Everybody's coming. It's like, oh, I saw it, but <laughs> it looked like it was a stampede of guys. And I, you know, rush. And that's what the defense wants you to do. They want you to rush everything and throw the ball as quickly as possible. And there you have Nick Marshall sitting at five yards and you throw it right to his chest. And now you got to go make a tackle. And so <laughs> for, for us, like Sting, so for the fans that don't know, we call zero coverage when they blitz everybody and it's just man-to-man coverage, no safety high, everybody's on line of scrimmage. Uh, we call that sting. And so we'll probably refer to that a lot throughout this podcast just because um, that's one of the best defenses that I know a lot of people love because people love blitzing the quarterback and getting QB sacks or picks and a lot of that stuff. Like in 2000, so la- not last year, but two years ago when the Riders ha- set the record for the most touchdowns on defense and special teams, a lot of their touchdowns were off of what we call sting was all these pressure looks. And what they did so well was they disguised it amazingly. Like they would Mm -hmm. have defense alignment dropping back to be safeties or DBs. And you're like, wait, that guy's not supposed to be there. And all of a sudden you got four guys blitzing you on the other side (laughs) when you're looking at that. And so they did a tremendous job of, of that. And coach Shives does the same exact thing. You know, he's done a great job with our defense and, and for us at practice, it's it's so unique because we go th- against our defense, but we never see anything like that against anyone else in the mm-hmm. league. And so it's hard in uh, what I think other people don't realize is when you go against your ones-on-ones, your goods-on-goods, um, we're going against the rider defense. We're not going against, say we're playing BC, we're not going against BC's defense because you only have so much time in a practice. And exactly. so, And so for us, you know, we're running plays that we know are scripted well against what BC does. And so sometimes as a quarterback, you're going to go out to practice and you're going to be like four of 15 with three picks. And do you, not- do you mind, do you mind playing against sting like as a defense in general, or would you rather see zone or man, or do you have like a preference at all? I like sting personally because you can get a good deep ball in and because a lot of the DBs in sting, they know the ball has to come out quick and they sit at five yards inside leverage. And so that, that's a great question for me personally. If I have Shaq Evans, uh, in a man-to-man situation and I know it's sting I'm throwing the ball up at you know 45 yards down the field I'm, I'm not even going to see where he's at but I know he's going to come down with it the one thing I love most about Shaq Evans is I cannot out throw 
Shaq Evans. And you know this personally <laughs> too. It doesn't matter how strong my arm is. I cannot overthrow him. And there's a lot of times in practice where I underthrow him and I know he gets mad at me because he's like, Cody, I had the guy beat by five yards and then you throw it behind me and I got to stop. <laughs> so having that guy with that much speed, sometimes I just catch it and throw it as far as I can and he still runs underneath it. So uh, I, I yeah. prefer Sting, honestly, because you can see it a little bit easier. You just can't panic. I think that's the biggest word. Don't panic against Sting, and you can complete balls. But as a defensive coordinator, if you they land one Sting early, oh, you're going to get Sting the rest of the game. But if you mm-hmm. complete one Sting early, then you're going to be able to you know get those zone coverages that you want. And I know for you, so let's talk about the last last game of the year. We got to clinch the West. Right. We got to beat Edmonton and everybody's Mm -hmm. talking about, are they going to bench their starters? Are they going to do this? And all I remember is you saying like, Cody, you're going to have some time off and we're going to get you the time off to be healthy, to play for the playoffs. And honestly, that meant the world to me. And Mm -hmm. I remember telling you, I'm like, look, you're young. And, and every defensive coordinator wants to see if a young guy can see sting. And so how much sting did you see in that game? And where did you feel like they ran it a lot or do you think they should have ran it more? Um, I felt like early they ran it a couple times and they didn't get a sack or like a, a tip ball or anything. And we completed it for some yards. So they kind of shied away from it, but they did start doing dropping eight more, which is a lot of people in coverage. Cause you're only rushing four. They were even dropping nine and only rushing three. Mm-hmm. And I thought they felt that was more effective than stinging me after they did it a couple times. But I mean, yeah, like ho- you said, you can get a good deep ball off against sting. We did that in the fourth quarter. Justin McKinnis pressed up man-to-man, just let it fly. I mean, he's got the size and the ability to just go get it. That's one of the good things about Sting for sure. Yeah, today, DT asked me your top – I guess you were doing an interview with him, and he asked me your top throws, and that was high on my list for sure, that one, because you took one in the chest, and I remember Mm -hmm. I was like, is the 185-pound Isaac Harker going to get up? (laughs) (laughs) And you did, and you were fired up, and that's what I loved seeing. Um, also off the top of my head, I think your, your next best throw, which doesn't get the credit it deserves because we were down and it was early in the season was your Hamilton throw. I think it was to Corey Watson. It was the cross face diagonal and you dropped this thing. It, It had to have enough touch to get over the linebacker and enough firmness to get underneath the safety. And I remember you threw it and I'm like, Oh man, this guy's a rookie. He's a real deal. That that thing came out. Um, so I remember those two off the top of my head. Like, man, Isaac's got an arm on him. Doesn't matter how much this guy weighs, he is gonna throw the football at you. Yeah, talk about coming into the league and playing early. First game, I was like, oh, okay. I think I unfortunately changed the whole landscape of third string quarterbacks when I was in Toronto when I started playing punt protection and they wanted me to play special teams. And I was like, honestly, I'll do whatever I can to help this team win. And I just wanted to play football at the, at the end of the day. I, you know, I got cut from the Raiders. I bounced around from like nine teams, uh, NFL team workouts. And I just wanted to play football. And so I was like, I'll do whatever I can to make this team. And then they're like, Hey, uh, would you want to do punt protection? And I'm like, hunt protection what is that and i remember my first time i was going we actually we played sask in the second week and i wasn't the, i was the backup punt protector and we had a punt blocked for sask at old mosaic <clears throat> they ran it back for a touchdown and after that game they they said cody you're going to be our punt protector if they're going to get blocked punts we might as well put a quarterback back there 
have the threat of faking it. Um, but to have an athlete back there who can throw the ball. Cause most of the time mm-hmm. it's an athlete who can run, but not throw the ball. And, and I was, I was thick. I was probably two, uh, two thirty at the time. And so I, I did it. I remember my first time ever on punt protection. I, we were playing BC and I see Adam Big Hill out there and he points at me and he says, I got 17. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm number 17. <laughs> and so That's I'm me. like, yeah. And you know, Big Hill, he is just a freak athlete and just huge. And I'm, so we punt this ball. Luckily he didn't blitz. I think he was just trying to get in my head. And I, <laughs> so I'm running downfield and I'm so tunnel visioned. I'm just staring at this guy who re- returned this football. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to make my first tackle. I'm going to make my first tackle. Boom. I get blindsided. Luckily <laughs> I had my mouthpiece in cause I bit my tongue through my mouthpiece and I was bleeding everywhere. And I'm like, and that was my first rep as pump protector. And now every Dude, that, time that just takes me back. Hold on. That takes me back to, um, Hamilton. Actually. Hamilton. I knew that was going to come up. Yeah. Oh, Dude, because was- I just remember standing on the sidelines Zach's already hurt. So I'm like on edge. I'm like, I'm one play away. And then you're just bleeding out of your mouth coming to the sidelines. And I'm like, this is a different kind of football. You want to talk about sting. They brought sting. I didn't see it. I throw a corner as high and as far as I can to swerve. And I take one in the chin by their free safety. Unfortunately, (laughs) we drop it. If, if, you know, if if it's completed and you take a shot, it feels that hurt feels Mm -hmm. a little bit better. But I remember getting up. I have terrible gag reflexes. Like brushing my teeth is terrible. (laughs) I remember they're like, stick the gauze in your mouth. And so I put it in my mouth. And you remember, I'm like, and like spitting out blood and and gagging. I'm like, what is going on? Here you are, rookie Isaac Harker, like, I have to go in. (laughs) And uh, I I just remember there, it just, my tongue was bleeding. And I'm like, I don't have a tongue. I don't, I don't have a tongue. I'm going to have to go on the 50-yard line and find it after the game because I don't have it. Somebody put it on ice. But, yeah, so, I mean, back to my pump protection. Uh, I just remember rooting. I never rooted so hard for our offense to get first downs in my life because I didn't <laughs> want to go back out there. I was like, Ricky Ray, please complete this ball. It's like second and long. I'm like, please complete this ball. Please complete this ball. And he finds a way, completes it. I'm like, oh, thank you. All right, next set. Okay, please complete this ball. And I'm over there just <laughs> praying that I don't have to go out there. And and we had a, a very good field goal kicker too, which was nice. So there was a lot of questionable punts slash field goals. And we always went out there and kicked the field goal, which was thankful to me. I didn't have to go out there. But yeah, man, that was welcome to the CFL. Go play punt protection and go guard Adam Big Hill. And make sure he doesn't block the punt. <laughs> yeah. And going back to those younger days, did you have like a favorite city that you first saw? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, for me, honestly, um, I love BC. I love sushi, and you can always get great sushi in BC. I also love that it's a dome. So no matter what the weather is, you're always spinning it. I, in pregame, I can throw the best spirals at BC. And there's just <laughs> something about throwing spirals in pregame when you're like, oh, yeah, I got it today. I got it today. And that's BC mm-hmm. Stadium, right? Um, other places, you know, even in Regina, when it's windy, you'll throw some end over end balls or even Hamilton. You go out there. Like I remember coming out for Hamilton sometimes. It is so windy. I didn't throw one spiral in like 20 throws and I'm like oh, I'm done I'll figure it out on uh, when the game comes around and that's just <laughs> one of those things where it's a confidence thing you got to be able to spin it in pregame but for you being a rookie 
you were able to travel everywhere, which is super cool. You get per diem, you get to try these places. And, and for those who don't know, um, when we're on the road, there's no team meals. So we get per diem, we go out and we get to eat in these great cities and we get to try a lot of new places and not a lot of new foods. Um, so for you, what, what was your favorite city and why? And also, what was your favorite food that you tried in one city um, that you probably would have never tried if you were never in Canada? Mm-hmm. That that is a good question. I I think my answers are kind of tied together because that second road trip we went to in Ottawa, they had like the rib fest from like mm. all across North America, like all the places. And we were just walking down like a mile worth of just like people who had their food carts up with all kinds of good food. Ribs before a game. Was, was that smart yeah. enough or no? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you were pounding ribs and I was like, uh, is he going to run tomorrow? Oh, or a fat kid. Yeah. You remember, I, I, I made that claim early in this podcast. I'm a fat kid at heart. So, <laughs> <laughs> And then you like rush for like, I forget how many yards, but you were moving. I'm like, okay, like obviously ribs don't phase him. So, <laughs> so I was defense well. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we, we did that. And then we also went to that pretty cool, like, um, little spot to eat. And that was after the Hamilton game, which I played a little bit and they were showing the game on TSN. It was like a pretty big storyline. Cause like the third quarterback got in and I saw myself on this huge TV in the bar and I was like, Whoa, that's kind of crazy. Cause like, I mean, playing at school of mines, like great school and great football and everything. There's just not a lot of media coverage. So it was kind of like a shock. I remember you're you're kind of in shock where you almost didn't eat your meal because you just kept looking over at the big screen. You're like, dude, that's me. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> I I know that's you. <laughs> but yeah, it was really and and it was one of those things where that week was so interesting because right they had the open competition between me and you, and for me, I'm probably as much as a competitor I am, I am probably one of the most probably nicest guys to compete with because I won't hide things from guys. I'll tell you exactly what I see. And and I learned that early with Logan Kilgore, who's with Edmonton. Um, you know, we were close when I got to Toronto, here we are vying for a roster spot and he's just unloading the entire playbook and what helps him remember things. And I remember telling myself, I was like, I want to be exactly like him with other quarterbacks. Like that helped me out so much. And if you're confident enough in your game, like, yeah, I mean, it should be an equal playing field. And and for me, that's what I try and do. Um, I just remember that week was always like, you know, are we friends? Are we not friends? Are we friends? You know, kind of thing. But uh, it, it all worked out for the best. And I think what was cool was you were able to play this year and you actually got a start. It took me five years to get my first start, but you got your start. You got to win. You're 1-0 as a starting quarterback in the CFL. And, th- and that goes a long way, honestly. Um, some guys get the opportunity early. Some guys don't. And it's it's good to put good stuff on tape. So I'm I'm actually really happy about how you played and clinched us the West and gave me an extra week to two weeks really to get healthy and, and play in the West final. So I want to say that on the record. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we were pretty deep, like we pretty had like we had a pretty good friendship up to that point just through camp and through the first couple of weeks of the season. But then like you could tell the mood kind of changed because they're like, Yeah, I mean it's one of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, fight to the well, death. this is a different atmosphere than buying for the two, the two spot. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. A lot of pressure. And here I am, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm five years in, I'm like, I have to catch a break sooner or later. Like just give me an opportunity and I'm okay. If I play so bad, I'm okay with you saying like, look, you just don't have it. I'm okay with that. But to never have an opportunity and a lot of guys, I feel really bad for a lot of quarterbacks, especially is 
you sit around in a league two or three years and then you never get your opportunity. And then they bring in someone younger who, you know, in the NFL they drafted or in the CFL came from the NFL. And now you've been sitting there for three years. You have no tape to show for it and you never got your opportunity. You might be talented as heck, but you never got your opportunity. And I was getting to the years where I was kind of like, well, are we going to keep around this older guy who's never played? We know he can do short yardage. Or are we going to go with the young guy we can develop? And, and it was scary. And so I knew my days were limited. And that's why I said to myself, if I ever got the opportunity, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to fight for that extra yard, even though it's not going to get me the first down. I'm going to fight for it because I had five years of just aggression, frustration in situations just built up. And it was just fun to be able to see it all come to revelation and having a good year was honestly a, a very good blessing for me. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun for, for me too. Cause I felt like, cause you feel like you're, a, I mean, you know, this too, when you're working all week and, and studying tape and trying to help out the starter, like you feel like an extremely important piece of the puzzle even though you don't get snaps and everything so and like to to see you play so well I felt like like I feel pride in that too so that was really fun for me and that's well. what's cool about you especially and, and a lot of backups around the league because there's two different types of backups there's the backups like you who are like dude I just want to do everything I can to help the starter my time will come and then there's the backups who's like, I'm better than the starter. I just need my chance. I'm going to show everybody that. And then you have a divide in the quarterback room. And that's when you have problems. When you start having teams pick and choose, you know, oh, I'm team Harker, or I'm team Fajardo, your team gets divided. And we never had that, which was awesome. And guys were like, look, I believe in Isaac. If he has to play, I believe in him. But Cody's our starter and, and we're going to rally with Cody. We love Cody. And so it was cool to have a team. And I think that's why we won so many games. Because we had guys who it didn't matter who you put in at the quarterback position. Honestly, they were going to do everything they can. It helps when you have a really talented team. And I say this all the time. I personally didn't do as much as I thought. I mean, as everyone thought I did because our team was so talented. We had such a great defense who always got us the ball back or held them to low scoring points. And we had great receivers, an offensive line that kept me clean for a long time, uh, you know, all season. And so honestly, it was just like, you could put any quarterback, this is how I felt. You can put any quarterback in there and, and they'd be successful because our team was very talented. But obviously that's a little bit of the humility talking. But for you, um, have you ever been in a situation where you were the backup? Like when you went into college, did you go straight to being a starter or were you a backup uh, from the get-go? No, yeah, like coming out of high school, I didn't have an offer, so I walked on at Indiana State, and then I was like fifth on the depth chart going into that first freshman year, but my freshman year, I got voted on the leadership committee just because like I was, me and the starter, who was like a fifth-year senior, were really tight, and I was always doing film work for him and stuff like that, so I felt like I had a pretty big impact on that year, and then moving forward, my redshirt sophomore year was the first year I got to start and like get the taste of starting an entire year and being successful and things like that. So it took me a while, even in college to, to start playing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and this is one thing that fascinates me is there's so many talented high school kids and the recruiting process. I went worship upon my worst enemy. And so I'm, I'm always fascinated by this. Take me through your recruiting process. You're in high school, you're a senior, you're about to start, let's just say you're about to start your senior year. Okay. And Where's your mindset? Do you have any college interest? You said you had no offers, but any anyone sent you letters or anything? Like, where where was your mind at that time? Yeah, I mean, I had been emailing people every day, like 
I, I don't know how many fans know this about me, but I'm like a really diligent person. And I'm like, I'll do whatever it takes to, to do what needs to be done and be successful and everything. So we're sending emails every day. We're sending out like letters and, and everything. And we went to a bunch of one day camps that junior year and stuff. And I had a lot of preferred walk on offers, but no offers yet. And like, I mean, moving through senior year, we didn't run the, we didn't run uh, passing plays that much. Like there was one game where Butler came out to wash and they were pretty high on me and we threw it two times. So it was just like the circumstances didn't really lead up for a really heavy recruiting process. Yeah. At at that time. Mm, Okay. And so, so after your senior year, you got zero offers, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so then what's your mindset? Are you like, I'm done with football. I'm going to try, I'm gonna go Juco. Uh, oh, football was like my passion, my end all, like, I was like, I'm playing football somewhere. It's just, I got to make the right choice. Okay. So how, how did you come down to that choice? Yeah, it was between being, I had a preferred walk on at Indiana university, Indiana state. And then I had a roster spot offer at Yale and what's it was the difference kind of between, per, do you know, preferred walk on and roster spot? What What's the difference? I, I'm um, I don't think. I don't think Ivy's can give athletic money. So they mm. offer roster spots and then you get academic money for mm, that makes sense. like okay. scholarship or whatever. Gotcha. Thank you. So like the ACT and the SAT were a big part of my process just because I wanted to play for an Ivy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, you definitely so, have the brain for it and, <laughs> and the skills, but more importantly, the brain is the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was down to those three. And then when it came down to it, I just like, the the offensive coordinator there, Brian Shepard, was really like he seemed like a great football mind and he seemed like obsessed with success and like a hard worker. And I was like, that's where I want to go. I want to be in that offense with him. <laughs> so that's who I ended up choosing. And that's who I ended up starting for my retro sophomore year. Nice. OK. Yeah. I'm always just so fascinated by that because there's so many athletes and there's just not enough colleges. And honestly, it's like you there's a lot of guys who get overlooked. So. Um, I think I'll save my recruiting process for next episode. We can't give all of our content on this first episode, right? Because <laughs> we can exactly. talk for days. But uh, um, so let's just talk a little bit briefly, get the fans for this writer podcast excited about the new offense, uh, signing Coach Moss, getting him in the facility, being able to talk with him. Um, just just your thoughts on the signing, your thoughts on the offense, uh, that what you've seen, what you've been trying to study and memorize, and just give me some tidbits for the fans who are eager to see what life as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan is like with Jason Moss as your offense coordinator. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, forgive the basketball analogy, but I feel like his offense could be described as like pace and space. Mm, yeah just because like there's a lot of tempo adjustments there's a lot of fast tempo and spreading the ball around to all the playmakers and everything and i think the one of the most exciting part he's a competitor and i'm a competitor so i think our personalities kind of like mirror one another and i think that can go that can go really well <laughs> and it could definitely i mean obviously people get fired up when they compete so i mean i'm just excited to work with someone who's like i said just obsessed with the game and loves the game. So that's, that's my biggest, what I'm excited for. Here's what I'm excited. I'm really excited to play under a guy who has played the CFL game and who has won gray cups as a quarterback, right? That is exciting for me. It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Coach McAdoo did an amazing job with our offense last year and being able to get the most out of 
me as a first year starter and us winning the West was nobody counted us. I think people thought we were going to be fifth in the West to start the season. And here we are, we win the West. I mean, tremendous job, but to have coach Moss being with us every single day, um, you know, just picking his brain, he's seen a lot of defenses. He's seen a lot of game tape, a lot of routes run. And I think that's what I'm most excited about. And and we had a conversation that was pretty, pretty awesome. He's like, Cody, honestly, there's not a defense that I haven't seen. So when I come up with offensive schemes, I come up with it knowing that there hasn't been anything to stop this. And that got me so excited because teams mm-hmm. are going to be, you know, in training camp running their similar stuff and they have no idea what we're doing, but we are doing everything we can where you're going to have to change your defense completely in order to stop this offense. And that got me so excited because I like offenses that it's, you know, you can't watch one team and be like, okay, they run similar stuff like this, this, and this. It's like you have to play us or scout us really hard to know exactly what we're doing on offense. And that just gives us a huge advantage. So I would say that is what gets me really excited about the offense. Also, the changes he's made as an offensive coordinator, I try and put my myself in his shoes because I want I would like to be an offense coordinator one day. But Having your offense, and and I've already written out a playbook, and I've taken plays that I personally like from all the way from high school all to the pros from every team, and just kind of put it into one binder. And it's and it's something that I'll have if I ever do start coaching. But to be able to put your pride aside, which I think Coach Moss has done, and there's been a, a few things where I'm like, look, I'm just not comfortable with that, and he's like, fine, scrap it, and he just throws it away. And I'm like, you put a lot of time and effort. And he's like, all of a sudden you throw it away. And and that means a lot to me, especially as a starting quarterback, to be able to tailor made an offense to me personally and just exploit, you know, my strengths and hide and mask my weaknesses has me confident. Like week one, our offense is going to be putting up points. We're going to be putting up yardages. I mean, we already have the talented guys, but now with the scheme and the talent, like it's going to be really awesome and so i can't wait to get to football because i think the fans will be so excited 2020 hasn't started out the year we want it to be and with the delayed season obviously everyone's a little frustrated and you know can't wait for football so i'm just hoping we can bring a lot of smiles a lot of victories to a lot of faces because i i truly believe we have the talent to win the great cup this year we were so close last year but i truly think we have the talent Oh yeah, I know everybody's excited to get uh, itching to get back. But let's wrap this thing up with some a couple rapid fire fan questions that you got on Twitter. Okay, yeah. So right off the bat, we got uh, Josh at Josh underscore Mowat. We kind of covered this. How have you been spending majority of your time during quarantine? Is there anything that you didn't touch in the podcast that you would like to talk about? I mean, the majority has been doing the new offense and all the all the football things, throwing and all that. But but yeah, I think we touched on it pretty good earlier. Yeah, I'd say the only thing I didn't really mention was my wife and I just got an offer accepted on a house, and so we are in escrow, and we are really excited just to. And lay congratulations! Our Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, a incredible process. You would think that buying a house during a pandemic, like oh, you know, people don't have the money to buy houses. No, that's not the case. There is plenty of buyers out there and not enough houses. And so our house that we got accepted on was on the market for one day and it had six offers and we beat out. Yeah, we beat out all the other five. So, and this was, we already put in an offer on four other houses that we got beat out. 
And so we felt like we were just competing against the same people. And it was like, okay, my wife would always say, okay, one person down. Now there's just 15 of us left. And so it was just really competitive. But um, so we're just going through that process and buying a house is a very intense process with a lot of steps. And so we're just trying to take it one day at a time. But other than Mm -hmm. that, that's probably the other, the only quarantine thing I would like to add. Um, Next question from sports geek 22, Steve Johnson, who is very active on Twitter and I love it. He's very passionate about the writers and he always comes to our defense, which is amazing. His question is who throws the better football? I'll let you take this first and and I'll see if I like the answer and then I'll add on. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to say that there's different we have different strengths so like i think i throw a really good quick game and i've got a really good feel for it and then i think you you throw a really good deep ball and like those intermediate like like layer balls so i think there's something like and i've said this before but every quarterback that i've come into contact with i try and take like my favorite part about their game and try and like implement it into mine so i think you've got strengths that are different than mine especially when it comes to throwing it oh yeah i mean honestly I don't know how you can throw it so hard, but you have a cannon. And like, sometimes (laughs) I try and mimic your throw and I'm like, dang, my arm is tired. I'm like, when you throw the football, I'm like, okay, don't look at Isaac, how hard he throws the ball. Just be accurate. So I have to tell myself, because sometimes I get in the competitor move where I'm like, oh, Isaac just ripped a, 18 yard comeback. I got to rip an 18 yard comeback, you know? And, and so honestly, that's a God given talent. I personally believe that you're, you can get your arm stronger, but some guys are just naturally can just use all the muscles in their body and throw the ball a lot harder. And I think you do a great job of that. You hit on the head. I think your quick game is probably tops in the league. Um, and for me, that's something obviously I got to grow on, but being a deep ball guy, it's a lot easier when you got Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore and Naaman Roosevelt, Manny and Manny, Corey Watson, all those guys, you know, making great catches, but, um, okay. Just a side question. If you could take any quarterback's arm, and have it as yours who would it be um if we're just talking based on looks alone mcleod bethel thompson <laughs> by far he throws the most prettiest football that i've ever seen and yep. it's amazing yeah no doubt you watch him in warm-ups and you're you can't actually i can't watch him in warm-ups because i will be <laughs> like this guy well, can for me guys it, yeah, I'm up yeah <laughs> no doubt I, exactly it looks like i'm throwing left-handed compared to this guy he and being with him in toronto I remember when he first got there and he threw a couple of balls and I was like, this guy's going to beat out Ricky Ray, you know, in two days. Cause then you got Ricky who's throwing, you know, crackers and he probably doesn't <laughs> mind me saying that cause he knows it's true. And you got this young guy who's just ripping it with spiral. But then there was just something where Ricky gets out there and it's 12 on 12. And he just knew exactly where to put the ball at the exact time. And a lot mm-hmm. of our receivers said it was like, smooth butter catching his football and they like that you know they don't like the rip shot half the time because it tears up their gloves especially when it's cold so McLeod Bethel Thompson yeah he's he's definitely up there for me I think for me personally Derek Carr being with him he is the best quick game thrower he rivals you for sure uh he's (laughs) he's the best quick game thrower I think I've seen um he can just catch the ball and just spin it with the flick of his wrist like if i'm like are you even moving your arm it's all wrist and the ball comes out tight clean and hard so um i would say Derek carr for sure and then i got one more from uh from, from at gray cup bound what is the best offensive play that you've orchestrated in your opinion the best offensive play oh my gosh okay i want to be an offense coordinator but i've 
been the kind of the guinea pig. I've just been running whatever people tell me to do. But for me, we always had a special play in college. And our offense coordinator, Nick Rolovich, who's the head coach at Washington State now, and he would always call it something crazy, just like a random name so guys wouldn't forget. And he called this Kathy's Chili because our receivers coach, his wife's name was Kathy, and she made chili on the night that he created this play. And so he's like, yep, this is Kathy's Chili. And so what it was was a double – we saw it actually this year in the um, Atlantic game touchdown Atlantic game, the Montreal Alouettes ran at the double reverse pass where they toss it back to Vernon and he threw an absolute dime down the field, Mm -hmm. 60 yards Mm -hmm. in the back of the end zone. That was the play. Um, Ours didn't turn out as great as that one was. I mean, we completed it, but uh, it wasn't a 60 yard dime because I was throwing it. And uh, so I I would say Kathy's chili. What about you? Um, when we played Minnesota at Indiana State, we ran a play where I pitched the ball to the running back. He reversed it to the receiver, and then I went out for a pass, and I actually caught a touchdown on a Big Ten field. So that was probably – that's my favorite one. Do that, you have the picture that, of that? Uh, yeah. Nice, dude. That's an awesome picture. That's I'll, a, I'll have to send it to you on MySpace, dude. Yeah, okay. I'll put you in my <laughs> top one on my top ten. <laughs> no, but honestly, that's, that's going to be so cool to show your kids one day. Like, yeah, I, I played receiver too in college. I, I played quarterback and receiver. They won't know the difference, you know. <laughs> but just having a touchdown in a – you said Big Ten stadium? Oh, yeah. Man, mm-hmm. that's that's cool. And silencing the crowd. There's nothing better. Like, I love our fans, and I love scoring touchdowns at home games and just hearing the excitement. But when you go to a, a rival, especially like Winnipeg, and you score a touchdown and you can hear a pin drop, that as an athlete is almost better than when you get fired up. Because as a quarterback, I don't really get fired up. Like I get excited, but uh, I don't smash my head into lockers like some linebackers do. <laughs> so I'd rather just score touchdowns and it'd be dead silent and be like, wow, I did a good job there. As opposed to it just being like, ah, go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And our last one comes from at Wussel West Wook. What is your favorite moment as a rider? Ooh, I'm going to let you take this first one because there's been quite a bit. Um, if you have one off the top of your head, I'm going to have to think a little bit on this one because that's that's a great I, question. I, think, I mean, coming out the, for the first time to see the crowd, which was the preseason game, that, that's one that definitely stands out to me. But also, like, making the playoffs and clinching the bye was – was up there just the celebration in the locker room and with the fans in the city was just amazing as well. Oh yeah. I mean, for, if I were you, I would definitely say that one clinching the West, mm-hmm. your first start, man, in front of our <laughs> home crowd for in like the last decade, man, that's a no brainer. You made that a lot harder than it needed to be <laughs> <laughs> for me. I think it was the Labor Day comeback win because oh, yeah. everybody, I'm, I was nervous for that game because the fans and the media built this excitement around the game like oh you know this is labor day game and i'm like uh yeah it's labor day game and they're like no it's labor day i'm like oh okay okay and so i i remember coming out of the stadium and i was like oh my gosh this stadium is electric there's no way we can lose this game and i walk away you know alive <laughs> and so i remember jogging out uh, and then we're backed up looking at the clock and my motto all last year was just give Brett a chance. Brett is ice. He's got ice in his veins, money. And so I was like, just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. And we got a completion early, you know, like just like everyone else, anytime you're down and you need a two minute drill, 
the most important play is the first play. You just have to find a completion. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. any amount of yards. Just get a completion so you feel like you did something and then you can get on a roll. There's nothing like coming out and you're down and you miss a ball and now you're second and 10 and you're like, gosh, dang it. And now the doubts start creeping in. But if you complete a ball early, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling good. And so I just remember, you know, driving down the field and giving Brett a chance. He he nails it, sprints right to the Pilsner plunge. And uh, I'm just sitting there just like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is truly incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a solid note to end the uh, inaugural episode on. Yeah, so I would say tune in. We're going to, I think next week, we're going to try and have Dan Clark as our guest. Um, and we all know how funny Dan Clark can be, and this can get a little bit crazy. Um, so we we've are got a special segment planned for, special for that segment, episode, well. which I think you guys I, definitely have to listen to. Thanks for listening in, and we're excited to take this journey with you. Like I said, send us all the feedback you can. DM me on Twitter, um, Instagram, doesn't matter. I know Isaac feels the same way, right, Isaac? Oh, yeah. Just all, all fan feedback is welcome and appreciated. Thank you for listening to The Rouge Report, a Rough Rider podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to grab your official rider gear and get your backyard summer ready with outdoor cooking essentials and backyard decor. Shop in-store at the Mosaic Stadium location and online at theriderstore.ca.